This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi. I am extremely excited about this show today. Everybody knows how much I love this guest that I'm about to bring on in a couple seconds here. But the Chicago White Sox, they have a new manager. It's Pedro Grafal. He's going to be the guy. Last week when we talk on this episode, we had no clue who it was going to be. We didn't know if it was going to be Joe Espada. We didn't know if it was going to be Kevin Long. We didn't know if it was going to be Ozzy Guillen. Everyone was leaning in a different direction every single day. It ended up being Pedro Grafal, who was the bench coach of the Kansas City Royals. South Burbs Hitman points out, in Pedro, we trust absolutely And, of course, the World Series is going on. It is a 2-2 series split between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Houston Astros. We will get to all of that. But first, I would like to bring on one of my very favorite guests. There's a reason this is his third or fourth time appearing on the show, which is the most of everyone by far. It is Nick Morawski of uh, Locked On Sox. Nick, how you doing? Vinny, thank you so much, buddy. Ready to talk White Sox. You know, that's what I love about you most, no matter what. Good, bad, indifferent, rain, shine, snow, sleet. Nick Murawski's ready to talk Chicago White Sox. You don't find too many people like that, and everyone thinks I'm a weirdo for it, so it's glad to have another weirdo along for the ride with me. How does that make you feel? It, there's nothing weird about it. I lean into that. Uh, I eat, sleep, drink White Sox, so bring it on. I love it so much. So, Pedro Grafal, he's the guy who will come in and replace Tony Larusa slash Miguel Cairo for the position of managerial – um position of manager for the White Sox going forward what is your takeaway from the hire off the bat before we even get into the press conference what is your initial thought of him as the manager I was confused uh, and maybe I still am a little bit confused it wasn't the exciting name uh, I was looking for and I wasn't a big names guy I, I didn't have a particular name but I was following, you know, what uh, the the trail of breadcrumbs that kind of Rick Hahn left in early October about someone that has had experience recently uh, in a successful organization recently. So when that name started to uh, bubble to the surface and then I, I heard it, you know, from from a lot of sources a few days ago, like we all did, um, I, I was a little confused, uh, honestly, uh, but Again, it's an outside of the organization hire. He checks that box. Um, but, you know, in this competitive window here, okay, that they really have to take advantage of, uh, you, you can't miss with this hire. So that, that's why I was just a little confused. 
That makes sense. And listen, I'm in the same boat. I thought it was going to be one of the three that I mentioned before. And then when it came out that it was Pedro Grafal, I was like, okay, well, the Royals had success with him. It's not been great recently, but we also kind of know why it hasn't been great recently. I can't really put too much hate on Grafal for the fact that the Royals were bad over the last two or three years. They've also got a winning record against the White Sox. So what does that say about the White Sox organization? But he was there with the good times. And like, uh, I, I can't remember exactly who it was on the broadcast today said, don't tell people in Chicago that 2015 is a long time ago because it'll make half the city angry, which is kind of true. And I thought that was very interesting. But do you make anything of the success that Grafal had with the Royals, even though it was a little bit ago now? Well, you know, uh, your point of the Royals have always played the White Sox tough. Um, you know, when I, when I went back and looked at some of their records as of late, I mean, they were a hundred loss team for a couple of years there um shortly after the world series now and they did go to the world series in 2014 and they lost and they went right back there in 2015 uh, and Grafol was around in i think believe 2013 so uh it, it is impressive what the royals has, have been able to do to us i like the fact that there were some questions thrown at him about well, well, how would you like, how did you attack the White Sox? Looking at the White Sox, he's seen us quite a bit uh, as an AL Central, you know, opponent. Uh, his work with uh, Perez, uh, there's, you, you can't, you know, you can't question that. It's, I love that he's got that type of experience and he's held so many other different coaching jobs uh, in all the, you know, his resume speaks for itself. It's just missing that that one thing, you know, a managerial experience at the MLB level. And that's interesting. So he brings up this stuff about facing the White Sox and how to attack them and things that he's done in his career with the Royals. That also applies to the Minnesota Twins, the Cleveland Guardians, and the Detroit Tigers. He knows them extremely well in their tendencies and who to attack in a certain situation. Does that mean anything to you too? Absolutely. You know, um, I, I think if you can't beat them, you know, bring them onto your, your team, you know, and, and what kind of intel can can they provide and, and, and the different people that he's worked with. And uh, I, I think the Sox from the presser, uh, from some of the things that Han mentioned, the, the Sox really examined themselves. They looked in the mirror and they said, wow, we have taken steps backwards uh, these last couple of years. And, and maybe it's been going that way for a while. We need to shake things up. What are we doing wrong? And, and we need to get a fresh set of eyes. And it doesn't sound like it's going to just stop at Pedro Grafal. Like there are going to be some other uh, coaching staff changes. The only player that I'm pretty sure he named by name during the presser was, I mean, he underlying mentioned a bunch of players, but the only name that came out of his mouth actually was Jose Abreu. And he said that all 30 teams in the league would like to insert that guy into their lineup. Does knowing that he would probably choose to bring him back make you comfortable? Or is it kind of like, yo, let's let separation of powers and all that kind of stuff. I think you have to say that if you're Pedro to get off of a, to get off on a good foot with White Sox fans, you know, I, I think if he didn't, uh, you know, use uh, Abreu's name in good favor. Uh, that's not a good start to this relationship. Uh, again, I go back to stuff that Guillen had said and other people said it towards the end of the season. It's it's not personal, it's business. And the White Sox have a lot of business-oriented decisions that they have to make. They have to come to terms uh, with their relationship with a lot of players and the culture and how they do things. And 
You know, I'm not saying that that means Jose Abreu is not going to be around, but uh, you know, there, there are some there are some directions that the Sox have to decide on, and, and probably have to do that soon. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And he talked about certain players on the team not living up to their potential and their hype in 2022. And I think the, the top two guys that come to mind in that instance is, of course, Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Moncada. Well, Griffal was a catcher back in the day. So you wonder if he's going to, you know, have an extra special like relationship with Yasmani. I don't think Yasmani's going anywhere in the 2023 season based on his contract numbers and term and all that kind of stuff. It also, he also made it clear that if guys are the way they're struggling, isn't fixable, they're going to have essentially no problem moving on from them. And Rick Hahn talked about being loyal to a fault at times. Does that feel different to you for the way this organization has been run? That feels very different. Uh, I think the White Sox for many, many years have overvalued their players, especially their draft picks and their prospects in, in the eyes of the rest of the baseball world. And if something isn't going right, instead of trying to force it, I, I hope they do move on and say, you know, we, we've got because the longer you let that go, the worse it's going to get. We've seen that from this past season where certain players were getting too many looks in the leadoff spot or too many you know, times starting at different positions that they were just overmatched. Uh, going back to the Grandal thing. That is interesting to me what Pedro can do with Grandal, but Grandal is a veteran who's been around a long time. And I, and I start to worry about how can you help a player if they can't stay on the field? And, and I, I'm concerned with, you know, his legs and, you know, the operations he's had, the injuries that he's had. Um, if Sebi Zavala is going to be around, maybe start with a guy that, you know, is younger, is more impressionable, uh, can maybe stay healthy. That's just a, an early thought there touched on analytics and said he he didn't just say like a simple like recognize analytics exist he said i am what were his exact words i am in tune with analytics or something like that he's familiar he's more than familiar with them did he say he's savvy with them I, however he worded it he made it clear he understands analytics and plans to use them that is very different from anything we've heard from white Sox managers over the last decade or so what do you make of that? And do you think it will actually be implied? I, I think the, the, the direction that they're going here with Pedro Grafal, like everything's on the table. So what he says, in, in, what he said in this presser, I believe has already been talked about a little bit in these, in these communications with Han and Williams and, and, and Getz and everybody else that's in, been involved. Sounds like they knew it was going to be Pedro a couple weeks ago. So what he said in this presser, I think is telling us, yeah, this is how the the, the uh, organization is going to start trending. I, I love that he, you know, saying analytics, using the combination of like old school, new school, there has to be, you know, a, a combination there. And, and that he said, look, if I'm the smartest one in the room, there are problems here. That is, wow, is that refreshing? Like, I don't have all the answers. Hopefully I surround myself with people uh, that, you know, we bounce ideas off and together we're stronger. There are rumors about his upcoming staff. Of course, Ethan Katz is going to come back. I think the bullpen coach. Um, Hassler. You know, yeah, he's going to be the assistant pitching coach again. It sounds like Frank Menachino, um, Joe McEwing, and Daryl Boston are all out. They're going to bring in Charlie Montoyo as the bench coach, the former now 
manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, who was a manager of the year nominee in 2020. Do you like the direction that this is all going? Are you a fan of keeping cats? Do you have a hope for, you know, a hitting coach? What are your thoughts on that? Manichino had to go. I mean, there's no, I mean, there's no question about that. Not only the results uh, from 2022 and maybe even 2021, but just his overall philosophy and his track record with other teams, you know, like what the Sox did in 2022 is no different than some of the other teams that Menachino had uh, fingerprints on. So that had to change. And I am a big believer in when you're bringing in uh, a, a new voice, a new manager, there's no point in putting him into a system that isn't his necessarily like let him develop the system, let him bring in the people he's comfortable working around. Now, if the white Sox are, are really high on cats, which they obviously are. I'm sure they had a conversation with Grafal. Hey, we, we love this guy. We like what he's done. He fits our mold of what we're moving forward. Okay. I, and I can make an argument for cats. Absolutely. Um, but removing Boston and McEwing and Menachino, absolutely. And, and how much can you really fault, you know, and get mad at a first base and third base coach? There were enough base running errors and enough enough gaffes this season where you, you can't say, well, yeah, we should really stick up for those guys. Let Pedro Grafal bring in his own guys. Rick Hahn brought up corner outfield or corner infielders playing the corner outfield and how much of an issue that was for the White Sox this season. And really Luis Robert is the only outfielder that was in his proper position every single game, no matter what, when he was healthy. He also made it sound like he understands that that's a problem. That's largely on him. That, that's one thing I won't blame on Tony La Russa. Like Tony La Russa played the players that he had not always right, but it's not like there was a plethora of outfield options and as, as opposed to infield options. Rick Hahn said he's going to turn over the roster a little bit or at least make a trade or two and see if they can fix this. Do you think that that's 1 million percent necessary or do you are you okay with an Andrew Vaughn or a Gavin Sheets playing the outfield if they have to? That should never be the first option right now. Uh, you should not look at Gavin Sheets as a corner outfielder and say, yeah, we're going to run with that again in 2023. I understand that there's financial issues and and they are hamstrung a bit in some of the things that they can do. And it sounds like the trade market is how they're going to, to go about uh, making changes. But Honestly, if you know you need to get better defensively, and we all know they do, and it was talked about in the press conference today, you can't honestly look yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, we're going to go with Vaughn and, and Sheets in the outfield once again. It, it just can't happen. Um, I, I love Sheets' bat. He gives you, obviously, that lefty power, uh, but he could be a guy that maybe they package you know, and, and try to fill these other holes uh, that the Sox have. And when you say holes – what would your biggest, if you had to rank them, let's say it's right field, second base pitcher, what, how would you go about it in the off season? Uh, that, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I think outfield, you know, that corner right field spot. And I know Oscar Collis uh, could be a guy. I don't know if it's going to be right from the beginning, but that could be a guy, but you know, outfield is given the sacks problems there, there have been three positions uh like right field second base and dh that have been a mystery for several several years that are always talked about these are going to be addressed we're going to focus on these and they are 
you know, they're repaired with, you know, chewing gum, paper clips, uh, band-aids. Like I want to see them really to make a move. I think second base, I, I don't know. I, I know the whole number five, Grafol's wearing number five. Does that mean Josh Harrison is gone? Maybe he is. Maybe they don't pick up that option. And I wouldn't be heartbroken if he is gone. There are a lot of internal options with, uh, you know, Danny Mendick and, and Sosa and uh, Gonzalez and maybe even Garcia. I really hope they look at second base. Uh, second base might be one of I'm always a pitching guy, so I want to make sure you're starting pitching. You know, what are, what are you going to do with Cueto? You're going to have to fill that spot. But second base worries me because you go back. I think Gordon Beckham started four straight opening days. And then maybe since 2013 or 2014, we've had a different second baseman every single year on opening day. That's got to change. That absolutely has to change. And you touched on Johnny Cueto a little bit there. Him and Grafal won the World Series together with the Kansas City Royals. Would you be in favor of bringing Cueto back, or do you think there's better options out there? Do you think he could bring back what he brought this year, even if it's to a slightly lesser extent? What's your take on bringing Cueto back with Grafal in place now? I mean, Johnny Cueto's uh, workout schedule and and what he does to condition himself is, is unmatched at, at his age. Uh, it's impressive. Uh, he was a breath of fresh air. Where would this season really have gone without Johnny Cueto? He seemed like he ran out of gas a little bit towards the end. Um, but I wonder, you know, with his successes this this past year, if he's maybe priced himself out, you know, may, maybe the Sox aren't willing uh, to spend whatever he's going to be asking for because he had a bit of a resurgence. And it's just a matter of are the Sox willing to pay you know, to bring him back. If there can be a deal reached, I'd love to have Cueto back. Absolutely. And so you're going into this offseason after hearing this press conference. I'm going to ask you, I know talk is cheap and whatnot, but this press conference left me with a good first impression. Do you share that same opinion? Yeah. I, I mean, I, he said all the right things. He hit the buzzwords, you know, he's, he's done his homework or at least was told the talking points maybe by uh, Rick Hahn and the brain trust. Uh, it, it's a refreshing perspective. It's, it's outside of the organization for the first time since what Gene Lamont, they were saying. So 30 years, think about that 30 years uh, of inside hires. Um, again, you have to get the players to buy into this though. You have to get them to accept your message of, you know, everything you want to do starting in spring training. You know, some of these guys are veterans and they might not want to hear that. Uh, they especially didn't, you know, they didn't do some of these things for a three-time World Series champion. So will it, will, will they have taken this past season, uh, Sox players and say, man, we really were embarrassed. Um, you know, we do have to make changes. I'm willing to listen to, to Pedro Grafal and everything he has to say. Um, hey, I'm excited. When I sat there at SaxFest in January 2017 and heard Ricky Renteria give his speech, I was excited for Ricky Renteria. He said all the things of what we're going to do, how we're going to play baseball. We're going to do everything the right, so the, the, the right way, the White Sox way. I mean, it was exciting. And, and it, this gave me some feeling of that. I just hope we don't have, you know, those 2017, 2018 uh, results. Yeah. And so he's smiling from ear to ear talking about Rick Hahn at the beginning of the press conference. And he's saying, I haven't felt this happy in a really long time. 
is that a shot at Tony LaRusso in your opinion? Uh, I, I think it has to be, it has to look at a, a shot at him and the folks that forced LaRusso down our throats uh, two years ago. You know, uh, obviously it's been well documented that uh, Rick Hahn just didn't seem to have a lot of say, if any say, in that hire a, a few years ago. And yeah, I mean, for him, for him to be gushing the way he did and to, to say like he, there's going to be a bounce in his step and he's going to be a little bit more happier than he was the last few years, that you have to, you know, read between the lines there and take that uh, as a shot. And hey, if this was Hans Heyer and this was the guy after what 30 candidates or whatever, how many they went through, this is who he he wanted, then good for him for being able to do this finally. Do you believe that though? Do you deep down inside believe that this is Rick Hans hire? No, um, I don't believe anything that I shouldn't say. I don't believe anything Rick Hans says, but I have learned over the years to try to decipher Hans speak and be very careful in what I choose to believe. I think he, I think he had more say in this than he had the last time. Uh, but I'm sure Kenny Williams and, and others, you know, had their hands on on this. Yeah, I actually agree. But it does seem like he's a lot more happy with this hire than the sure. one. Because even if he had 1% say, he had more than the last one. Yeah, I mean, so he had none on the Tony LaRusso hire. It just seems right now that the vibes are headed in a positive direction. And obviously talk is cheap. And you have to go into the offseason and make some cha more changes to the roster. Uh, you know, I, I am um, I, I'm trying to be optimistic and I'm trying to be positive. However, I, it is sad for me to think about like how many steps backwards the organization, you know, took all of the bullet points that Han hit of of what we are doing now and what we're going to try to do. It's like, wow, it seems like, you know, the Sox have to make up for so much lost ground, you know, and, and rebuild the foundation. And I that. That would be palatable maybe in 2018, 2019. But here we are in 20, in looking at the season of 2023, when this should have been, we should have been already been in the ALCS, been, at, been into a World Series, if not have won one, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. A lot of factors have played in. So it, it really feels like uh, this, has to, this has to work, right? This has to go well. Absolutely. And there was a lot of emphasis put on health today. And sometimes that's out of people's control, but it also sounds like they're prepared. They didn't use his name like out of their mouths, but it sounds like they're prepared for Eloy to get hurt again. And, you know, how are we going to handle that? And are these players worth keeping? And just all sorts of things were explored when talking about the health situation today. And we all see, uh, I think it's Beefloaf who posted every single time, uh, just stay healthy, you know, the picture of Kenny Williams. And it's like, or maybe it was Rick Hahn in the, in the meme. Either way, it's a funny meme. Do you make anything of that? Like, can this team get healthy and be healthy with new trainers and new ways of approaching things and stuff like that? I, you know, sometimes, you know, physically, like we always, you know, talk about in, in the Chicago sports world, the whole Derrick Rose situation. It's like sometimes a body just like can't stay healthy forever. Whatever reason, it's just, it's a sad situation. I think there can be preventive measurements done. And, and there was talk in the press conference uh, this morning about uh, the notion of 
you know, trying to push through injuries and 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 how the team approached different things under Larusa and and how will that change? And you know, it, you go back and you read some of the articles that came out this past summer, and, and players talked about how bizarre this last off season was. You know, with the lockout and not being able to talk to team trainers and and follow their normal scheduled routine and. And that probably played into some things. So a normal off season, I think, is going to be refreshing. Hopefully, some of these guys. It sounds like Grandal's got a plan, and I know he's not the other one, only one. Of okay, what happened to me this past season? I need to get into. I need to start talking to some people of how I can get right this off season. We've got a normal off season to do it. So I think it's about preventive. You know what what you do now will will set you up for success uh, in the spring and beyond. So now that the manager hire is here, it's officially official. The team announced it. They had a press conference. Rick Hahn, I thought it was hilarious seeing Len Casper MC. I'm, I'm sure that made some Cubs fans very upset. But now it's the offseason. Do you believe they will make impactful change to all the things we talked about? Are we going to go into 2023 after what we see in spring training and have a different mindset than we do currently? I think that the expectation uh, for Sox fans, and, and I put myself into that, obviously, is you shoot for the moon almost of, you know, l- let's target uh, guys that are out there that we can bring in that can better this club. Do they have contracts that we could take on as the Chicago White Sox? And and then you have to like take steps backwards of like, well, what's realistic? And I think the Sox, you know, despite saying that they won't spend money, I think the Sox will try to spend a little bit of money this offseason. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be major changes to to the roster. I, I really don't. Uh, I Hopefully they cut the fat in certain areas and get lean and, and look at what culture, what type of baseball they want to play based on Pedro Grifol and his staff. And they put those people in those places and give them really long looks, especially in spring training. So I'm not looking for anything major, but I, I just want them to get honest with themselves and not kid themselves if they truly want to get better defensively, running the bases, you know, all, all of these other boxes that were mentioned. You know, check those with seriously looking yourself in the mirror and, and how you're going to do that. And I believe the Kansas City Royals did play hard this season. I, they were a team that was a pest to play against. They just didn't have enough talent. And their best player was a 20-year-old kid. I don't know exactly how old Bobby Witt Jr. is, but him and Salvador Perez, who is their oldest player. The youngest player and their oldest player were their two best players. And they still played people hard from time to time. And they mentioned you know, mimicking teams in the division and stuff like that. The Cleveland Guardians are a perfect example of that. The White Sox went 81 and 81 in a year where they played like dog crap. And I think that speaks to some of the talent on the team. There are a lot of guys who underperformed, some in the first half, some in the second half. Do you think this new regime can help guys like Luis Robert and Tim Anderson and the guys who slightly underperformed? I'm not talking about Grandal or Moncada. I'm talking about the guys who slightly underperformed. They, they're good players, but we know they can be elite players. Do you think this changes again? Well, I, I think, you know, when somebody has told you that you're the greatest for most of your life and, you know, you are amazing at baseball and, you know, you're and you're always the top of your class wherever you are and you haven't had to grind necessarily, you, you might start believing that and, and you sit back a little bit and you take it for granted 
uh, it sure seems like a lot of players took things for granted in 2022 that they were going to steamroll the division. It's going to be handed to them. They can rest on their natural skills and not really have to come together as a team or or get better. And maybe that wasn't pushed by Larusa and their staff of like, you know what? Uh, they know they're professionals. They're, they're going to do what they want to do. And, and maybe Grafol's message is like, you know, you guys got embarrassed. You got beat by teams that shouldn't be beating you. You are better. But, you know, if you follow this, this path here that I'm going to lay out, we will be able to take your potential, your, your ability, and what I'm going to put in place, and we will be able to get back on top of the AL Central. And I hope players buy into that because of what has happened. That's very fair. And we got a relatively, you touched on it, normal offseason coming up. There's no, I don't think there's going to be any COVID stoppages. The winter meetings are going to exist there in San Diego in person from what we've heard, and there will be a normal off-season procedure. That probably means there's no deadline to reach before a lockout either, so there's not going to be that chaotic two-day stretch like there was last year where a 1,000 guys signed with their new teams before the lockout. Last question kind of on the White Sox. Do you think that is a positive thing for them? Because it kind of feels like it put them off to a bad start last year, and they didn't get anything done before the lockout, and there wasn't enough time afterwards. Do you think this maybe gives them just a little bit more of a glimmer of hope to do something impactful? Yeah, I, I think what, what we saw uh, leading up to the lockout was the White Sox organization waiting for the market to be something it wasn't going to be. Like, like they wanted it to play in a different way instead of you setting the market. You set the trend. And I wanted them to be a little bit proactive instead of reactive. And we found that all these other teams were much more uh, proactive in the White Sox. And then after the lockout ended, you know, the Sox are kind of scrambling to figure out, oh, it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. So now we need to make some moves. I, I hope they're a little bit more proactive. You know, I'm not saying there's going to be a big bombshell move like the Grandal move several years ago, where the Sox were one of the first teams to, to pounce on that. And they were very proactive early. Uh, I, I'd like to see the Sox you know, have a good uh, mindset with Grafal, the coaching staff of, okay, what do we want our team to look at, look like? Who's out there right now that we can go after right away and start setting the tone? Absolutely. And so the ultimate goal is to reach the World Series. We are in the World Series in terms of the Major League Baseball season as a whole. The Houston Astros and Philadelphia Phillies are tied at two games apiece. What has been your biggest takeaway from this series? The Philadelphia Phillies are exciting to watch. Uh, I mean, there's been some good games, but and I know the Astros threw a good game uh, yesterday, and I do love pitching. But the way the Phillies can score, obviously through the through the home through the home run, that is, uh, I'm jealous. I'm absolutely jealous of of what they can do. They remind me a little bit. Maybe it's just the look, a little bit of the 2004 Red Sox, just like a motley crew, just scrapping you know, how they got to the playoffs and they're, they're a fun team to watch. There's no doubt about it. And we talked about it before the show. Every time Bryce Harper does something, it makes you a little upset. Oh, what could have been. And I, obviously there's so many other factors like there, there was a want there. It sounds like there was a want between both sides, but money will always be the issue with, with Reinsdorf and, and Sox brass. But you know what he has been able to do what Schwarber's doing, what Castellanos, like guys that could have very well been in White Sox uniforms. 
And not enough people bring up the Zach Wheeler thing too. The White Sox kind of just got screwed by their general geography, but the pitching has been a great story in this series. And you see the White Sox trying to take active measures to make their pitching better. Um, is there anything else you got to talk about on the World Series before we move on to one last question I have for you? You know what? What you'll notice uh, with, with you know postseason play and, and especially in the later rounds like the World Series. You know, it's clutch hitting. It's timely hitting. It's getting a strikeout when you need to get a strikeout. It's pretty clean baseball. It's solid base running. Like teams are not shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, and it's like in other sports. You watch, you know, NHL playoff hockey, and it is like fun, clean. You know, it's it's not littered with, you know, all of this sloppy play. And, and that's what I've, I've enjoyed for the most part uh, watching Houston and Philadelphia um, again, it, it, exciting baseball. And it's like when you need a big home run, like no lead is safe. Th th those are fun games to watch. Absolutely. So we're going to get into award season. The White Sox didn't even have a single gold glove nominee. Obviously, Jose Abreu is nominated for the Silver Slugger at first base. He is their only nomination there. We all believe Dylan Cease will be nominated for the American League Cy Young Award, but many believe he will come in second place to Justin Verlander. Is that your opinion? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, I think, uh, again, there were just some starts towards the end of the season that, uh, did not go in Cease's favor. Um, and I think, and I think they also look at the success of a team, you know, and unfortunately that's sometimes how it goes with MVP. Uh, and obviously Houston uh, had a much different year than, than the White Sox. Uh, Hey, Verlander, impressive during the regular season, has struggled once again uh, in the World Series. But uh, Cease is knocking on the door. I mean, he really is. He arrived. He absolutely arrived this past season. And for him to be up there in, the, in maybe top three voting for the AL, uh, that's a big deal because um, he's only going to get better. Yep, and that will be the second year in a row that the White Sox have a top three nominee for the Cy Young Award. I think that is significant when you look at the grand scope of their pitching and where Lucas Giolito can get to if he you know, comes back strong next season. Same thing with Michael Kopech, potentially having a Dylan Cease-like breakout. I'm with you. I'm a pitching guy myself, so it's got to be a little exciting thinking about this rotation going forward, at least if everything rolls their way. Yeah, I was disappointed that we weren't able to see uh, like September Kopech where, where games really mattered. I wanted to see what he was going to be able to do, um, you know, but uh, again, like he, some of the moments that he had in, in a during this 2022 season, namely against the Yankees, he had a pretty good outing against Houston. The Crawford boxes got him. Uh, but when he's right, I mean, you, you've got your, your heart's beating a little bit quicker as a Sox fan. Like, wow, uh, can, can we imagine having this guy? But still, we're coming up, uh, Vinny, on the sixth year anniversary soon of, of when that trade happened. You know, when he came over from the with Mancata for sale from the Boston Red Sox. Do we still really know what we have uh, in Michael Kopech after six years? I don't know. No, we don't. We see the ceiling. I mean, that game against the Yankees was incredible. There was a game against Detroit where he absolutely shoved, I remember. I want to say that was either late August or early September before his last injury. I am happy that the one thing that kept him out this year, it wasn't anything to do with his arm. I know he had the shoulder yeah. thing right at yeah. the end, but you know his elbow seems fine, the velocity. He, he's become more of a pitcher than a thrower, and I do appreciate that so far. I think this was a step in the right direction.
Yes, that, that's a great point. Um, and, and Steve Stone used to talk about that quite a bit. Uh, you know, how you use your arsenal. I mean, rarely are you going to have your A stuff or even your B stuff. It's like, how do you how do you make in-game, um, you know, changes? Even sometimes in, in at-bat changes, uh, it, it's going to have to be with your second tier, third tier stuff. And you can't just always rely on, an, on a fastball and a straight fastball. You've got to be able to mix up the eye levels and, and keep guys off balance. And uh, he took he took steps in the right direction for sure. Absolutely. Nick, I can't thank you enough for coming on our show. It has been my absolute pleasure. I was listening to you and Josh Nelson space earlier today, and I was like, good thing I asked him last night because this guy is just off the hook with his White Sox analysis. He's by far one of the great follows on Twitter. There's a little bit of humor involved with some of his stuff, which those who follow me know I also appreciate that a lot. Nick, promote what's coming up with you and Locked On Sox. And are you still doing Good Guys Talk Back, too? I, I, I am, yeah. So Locked On Sox, we're going strong. A daily uh, White Sox podcast. You can find it everywhere. Uh, it's also on YouTube. Uh, and then uh, Good Guys Talk Back is my uh, weekly uh, Chicago White Sox podcast with my good friend and co-host Pat Hester. Very good. So make sure you tune into all of Nick's stuff. Follow him on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB. He will be back on this program, I'm sure, during the offseason, of course. I will never hesitate to have my favorite guest back on the show. Everybody give him a follow on Twitter. Listen to all his stuff. And Nick, thank you so much for coming on. And we will send everybody to a quick commercial break. I want to talk about the Dolphins run game for a second. Statistically, you know, it's nothing to holler about. You know, they are 27th in yards gained per attempt at 3.9. Who are the primary ball carriers and are they doing better than the stats portray? It's a great question. Uh, first few games, it was a very slow and steady progression with Chase Edmonds, who is now no longer a Dolphin because I don't think he was really fitting in. But Raheem Mostert, who has ties from San Francisco to Mike McDaniel, has been really, the last four or five games, hitting his usual mark. This is a guy who about five weeks ago was the NFL's all-time leader in yards per carry with a minimum of 250 yards. Now he's down to like five. But the last four games, he's been averaging around 4.9 yards per carry. It's his backfield. But what the Dolphins and Greer did this week and yesterday too was brought in another niner in Jeff Wilson Jr. He might even be able to play because he has more knowledge of the offense than Chase Edmonds did because of his years in San Francisco. So both Chubb and Wilson at practice today wouldn't be surprised to see 8 to 12 carries from Jeff Wilson Jr. And as you can see here on the Barroom Network, we have a big special event planned. If you live in the local Chicagoland area, Kings in Rosemont, it is a great place where you can get some drinks, get some food, play some games, meet every barroom host that is in attendance. There's a list of people at the bottom of the screen that will be there from the Barroom Network. I am one of them. I will be there. I will be joined 
by my co-host of Bar Down Talking Hockey, Frank Mueller, and both of our girlfriends will be there in attendance with us. It is going to be extremely fun. Tentatively, Mike North is supposed to be there, Dan Aguirre, Danny Shimon, John Buffon, amongst many other great Barroom Network hosts. You should come hang out and have a drink with us if you are able. That was a very great interview with Nick Morowski of Good Guys Talk Back and Locked On Sox podcast. He is always a pleasure to have on this show as he is one of the most informed White Sox personalities on Twitter.com. It is my pleasure to have him always. The Chicago White Sox, as you heard for the last 45 minutes, did hire a manager. Pedro Grafal is going to be coming to town to manage this White Sox team that desperately needed a new manager. Tony La Russa was terrible at his job, okay? I'm sorry. He was a great manager in his prime. He's one of the best managers ever. You could make a solid case. He is the greatest manager ever. Okay, he's second all-time in wins. The guy in front of him has a losing record, though. He just coached much longer, so he had more wins. Okay, Tony La is above 500 in his career as a manager. He was great, but the time to end it was now. It was two years ago. Should have never happened. Pedro Grafal comes in. He will bring analytics. He will bring a former scout. He will bring Charlie Montoyo from the Toronto Blue Jays, who was their manager, who managed them to the playoffs. A couple years where we didn't really think they were going to be able to make it. The power surge is going to come back as long as everybody lives up to what they say they're going to do, the talent that they showed in previous years, and you got to show up ready to work. And that is what I believe that I heard today in the press conference. Listen, I know about good press conferences, okay? I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Matt Nagy sounded like he was smarter than George Hallis in his prime in his first ever press conference. Loved what Matt Nagy had to say in his first ever press conference. I thought the Bears were going to win the Super Bowl. That it's a different sport. I know the, having a good press conference is unique to the White Sox. The last White Sox manager to have a good introductory press conference is probably Ozzie Gian in 2004. Okay. Tony La Russa, everyone was lethargic and angry that day. Rick Hahn clearly didn't want to be there. He clearly didn't agree with the decision. Things are different this time around. I don't know. If Pedro Grafal is going to be a good manager, I will judge him as I see all offseason long. It is now time to start judging Rick Hahn a little bit harder, too, because now you have a manager that you claimed you hired and you were part of the process. Tony LaRusso was forced on everyone. You no longer have that excuse, Rick Hahn. Go out there and have an impactful offseason. Get a right fielder. If it's Oscar Colas, great. He better be good. I'm holding it against you if it's not. Get a second baseman. Bring back Josh Harrison if he changes his number because Grafal, I don't care. He better work out, otherwise I'm blaming it on you. I don't want to see Leary Garcia anymore. If he's the 26th man on the roster, fine, whatever. But look at a team like the Philadelphia Phillies or Houston Astros. They don't have a passenger like Leary Garcia on their roster. That is a fact, okay? I don't want to hear any of this BS about stuff about Leary Garcia. The, the Tony LaRusa lovers are crapping on the Pedro Grafal hire. I don't want to hear it from anyone to be honest with you. If you still think Tony La Russa was good for this team, I don't know what to tell you. You weren't watching. You weren't watching. Sleeping in the dugout, walking guys on a one and two count. Get out of here with that nonsense. It is not going to happen with Pedro Grafal. I'm not even saying Pedro Grafal is going to be a good manager. I don't know yet. I'll decide. We'll know pretty early how this team responds to having someone new, but at least it's someone new. They don't come from the White Sox organization, which has been bad at managing their assets for the last 15 to 20 years. Even the year they won the World Series, it was a team that came together and loved each other and they were properly managed. And it's there's a reason it's the greatest year ever. 
it's also or there's also a reason it's the last time they won a playoff series was that World Series championship victory over the Houston Astros. Okay, this team has done everything mostly wrong for the better part of all of our lives, including Tony Larusa. They finally go in a different direction. If you want to poo-poo on that, don't watch in 2023. Because I'm going to sit there and I'm going to watch, and I believe that the analytics and the feel for the game that will be brought to this team with a fresh set of ideas is something that this team desperately needs. I'm tired of the same old crap. We are not getting the same old crap. I'm excited about it. In Pedro, we trust. The World Series is going on. Speaking of good teams, the Houston Astros are tied in a 2-2 battle with the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies took game one by overcoming a 5-0 lead that the Houston Astros had. In game number two, the Philadelphia Phillies were defeated by the Houston Astros, who were clearly upset at the outcome of the game the night before. And the Houston Astros kind of ran away with that game quickly. In game three, same thing, but the other way. The Philadelphia Phillies just absolutely destroy the Houston Astros. So games two and three, not really competitive one way or the other. Each team got a a very uncompetitive win. Then game four comes along. It was a very it was a much more competitive game than the scoreboard showed in the end of five nothing. They got all five of those runs in one inning, and the Houston Astros threw a combined no hitter in the World Series for only the second World Series no hitter in the history of the sport. It's the last time there was a no hitter in the playoffs. Since Roy Halladay did it in 2011, who was the coach of the team that Roy Halladay's Phillies did it against in 2011? Dusty Baker's Cincinnati Reds. How can you not be romantic about baseball? I think I nailed that right, the story. It's something along those lines. Yeah, either way, the Houston Astros, Philadelphia Phillies tied at two. It is a very compelling series. It's a best of three going forward. There is a game five tonight. In Philly, the Phillies are wearing the powder blues. That is magnificent chef's kiss. Um, then game six will be in Houston. And then if necessary, game seven on Sunday in Houston. It is amazing theater at this point in time. We have seen the stars come to play. Okay, we've seen big moments from Alex Bregman and Jordan Alvarez and Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hoskins, JT Real Muto with a game-winning home run in game number one. It has been a magnificent series where all the people come to play. You need that if you're going to win big in the playoffs. The White Sox and the Cubs can take something from that. Okay, the Cubs did it in 2016, and they wouldn't have done it if Rizzo, Bryant, Fias, Schwarber, Contreras, all these guys didn't do their part. We're seeing that in this year's World Series from both teams. It is no surprise that the series is locked in at two. Another thing, the Houston Astros getting two losses in this World Series. It is their first two losses of the postseason, and they will no longer have a chance to break the Chicago White Sox all-time record of 11-1. and The Yankees also did it in 99. 11-1 in the postseason is the greatest mark ever. The Houston Astros will not get there. They won't even tie it. And that is really nice to know as a White Sox fan. But now I'm kind of leaning towards the Astros winning the next two games and winning the World Series for the first time since 2017. And it'll change a lot of the way we view the team in terms of the cheating scandal and all that because they never really needed to do it in the first place. It gave them a 1% advantage. They took advantage of it and won the World Series. They've been in the ALCS every single year since. There is no coincidence that this organization has done everything other than the cheating scandal right and they run by analytics and 
good scouting and good development. And that's hopefully all the things that the new White Sox manager and coaching staff are going to bring to this team. Hopefully they're able to replicate some of that soon. I highly encourage everybody who is listening to tune into the rest of the Barroom Network shows. Obviously, there's great coverage of college football, the Chicago Bears, the NFL as a whole, the National Hockey League, hosted by me and Frank Mueller every Wednesday at 2 p.m. This show, next week, we will talk about the upcoming World Series champion, either Philadelphia Phillies or um, Houston Astros. And we also have a very special guest next Thursday afternoon on this show. Hint, hint, I'm not announcing it yet. I will announce it later over the weekend or early into next week. It is a fan that Chicago Cubs people have heard of, have enjoyed, and enjoy listening to every now and again. Hint, hint, we'll see if anybody's able to figure out who it is. If you have TikTok, that's my other hint. You might also know who this person is. Very excited for that show. It should be a great time dissecting the World Series champion and bringing it to everybody. And I hope everybody enjoys the weekend. Try to make it out to King's Entertainment, 5505 Park Place in Rosemont, Illinois, from 2 to 4 p.m. Come have a drink with me. Okay? Come watch Tennessee play Georgia with me. That's one of the biggest games of the college football season. You want to watch it with me? You want to tell me why I'm an idiot for thinking that Georgia's going to absolutely blow Tennessee out of the water? Come tell me to my face. I'm very excited about it. I hope everybody has a good time. Enjoy the weekend. It's very nice outside. We only have a couple more of these left here in the local Chicagoland suburbs. I hope everybody has a great day. Keep tuning in to all the Barroom Network shows. Follow me at Vinny Parisi. And as always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing.